0: Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the Redemption 10 p podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I'm Warren Williams, and today I'm joined by ministry intern AC, a staple on the show, on the podcast, till, kick till, they, till we kick him off, and that may come today, but we'll see. And I'm also joined by uh, Wilbur Kervich, pastor of Mission Collectives and Communities. What's up? What's up, what's up? So, we're still kind of moving along here, getting towards the the ender the latter part of our true story project that we've been you know reading through scripture as a church and you know understanding the bible as a complete narrative and whole story and now we're finally getting to the real part of the bible just joking just joking (laughs) (laughs) just joking but you know what? i'm kind of joking but i'm also kind of half joking because you know we'll get into that and you know how sometimes we can kind of overlook you know the, the, the the parts that we've gone through already um you know the old testament but hopefully if you've been, you know, keeping up that you see how it's so important that we understand it and, uh, you know, place it in its, in its proper context. But but today we'll be getting into Matthew, uh, Matthew 28 specifically. Um, and uh, before we get started, we always like to kind of start off on a, a lighter note, you know, kind of get you guys thinking or um, kind of, uh, you know, just, just having some fun with it. So uh, I, I have a question for you guys. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. You ready, Will? Yeah. Okay. Will, look, will looks ready, so I'm going to just go for it. So uh, on, in the New Testament, we have four different Gospels, four different authors. Um, you know, Each kind of does something differently, right? They're writing for different reasons, different purposes, which we will get into as well. But let's pretend that um, the heads of three major movie studios have tasked each of us to make our own unique film on the life of Jesus. So I want to ask ask you guys, I'm going to ask you guys a, a couple of questions. Who would be your director? What would be the genre of the film? Uh, which gospel would you use as their, as your source text? Uh, and who would you cast in the major roles? And you can't say Jim Caviezel because he's already been uh, <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's already good. been done. All right, it's already the Passion has been done, and uh, so you know I'm gonna get you guys. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear some interesting names. All right. Yeah. So, uh, AC, let's start off with you. Who would be your director for this film? Jordan Peele. Ooh. You know,
1: he, he just directed Get Out. Very trendy pick. Yeah. Man. Very yeah. trendy. <laughs> Uh, because the reason why is because I would make it a thriller. Okay. Make it a thriller. Uh, I'd use Mark because you know Mark. One of the distinctive things about the Gospel of Mark is that it's very action paced. Okay. And he usually uses the word immediate, uh, immediately. 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 Yeah. It, yes. immediately that. Yeah. That. So I think that you could use that as your source text and make like a suspenseful thriller. Okay. You know, and Jordan Peele has shown that he can do. He can take like a like uh, he can deliver a social message. In the subtext of a thriller so i think that he could also do like a, a you know gospel message
0: whoa man i mean he's th- let's let's slow down he just only he only did one movie so far no, I'm, joking. <laughs> I'm joking that was a, it, it was a great film um i guess uh will who would you have as your director
2: yeah so i'm gonna go with m night Shyamalan
0: oh man plot right. twist big plot twist <laughs> yeah
2: plot twist at the end right <laughs> yeah. and so i'm gonna choose i'm gonna jump ahead i'm gonna choose the book of luke because in Luke, there, Jesus flips a lot of things, right? Okay. So, so we see, like uh, in, in Jewish cult- culture, a preference towards men, but we see the elevation of women. Right? We see a, a preference towards the rich, but we see an elevation of the poor. We see Jesus performing ministry holistically, not just in a spiritual sense, but with physical he- healing and restoring um, you know, sight to the blind and, and these types of things, casting out demons. So lots of things were flipped on their head. And then you know, we see the surprise ending of this isn't the coming Messiah who's this military political might, but the suffering servant who dies and then is resurrected.
0: I guess I would go with, like, a Scorsese, Martin, you know, Martin Scorsese. You know, I feel yeah. like he, he has a a, a a good storytelling ability in his movies. You know, it takes, a, like, a, a good pace and very detailed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I read through the Gospels, I see, like, a story being built, and I think he would really bring out all those uh, elements. So, um, so kind of the next question I have is, like, what would be the genre? So I guess I'll start it off. I just, you know, as I see it as, like, a story, um, definitely something slower pace to capture like the details and the emotions. I don't know where that would exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a drama, I guess. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah. I would kind of fit into. has yeah. done that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So,
1: like his movie Silence. Exactly. A pretty slow pace. Slow pace it explores these themes. Right,
0: right. Yeah. Right, and capturing like all those interactions and you know the eating and all everything like that. So that would be my pick for genre. Uh Will, what what genre of film would you uh would you uh use to tell the gospel story?
2: Uh probably drama as well. Okay. I think <clears throat> being able to, yeah, to see lives change as the story progresses would definitely. be is, is a very helpful, would be a very helpful tool.
0: What about you, AC?
1: Yeah, thriller, man. It'd be thriller, it'll be, be a thriller. Yeah,
0: I can see that. You know, yeah. there's it's definitely a uh, uh, action-packed story, right? Yeah. It's definitely a lot of action in there. So, um, which gospel would you would you use as your source text, AC?
1: I use Mark. Mark because like it immediately things so right. it's very like action-oriented.
0: Gotcha. What about you, Will?
2: Luke. With the the flipping of expected social norms.
0: Yeah, you kind of touched on that too. I guess mm-hmm. I I I'd probably uh piggyback off UAC and go with Mark. You know, immediately text like you know, yeah. He was taken here immediately by the spirit, like you know, it, it's yeah. like, it's it moves.
1: But if you're doing a yeah. slow paced thing, man, like and Scorsese always has a unique take. Maybe John might be something. Yeah, that's too. true too. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, man, maybe maybe that'd be a better option for the movie I'm looking to make.
2: Hey, what about this? Because John is very poetic okay. and creative. What about a Tim Burton take on John?
0: Wow. Wow. It'll definitely be a lot of fantastical elements.
2: Yeah. (laughs) No Johnny Depp. (laughs) No Johnny Depp.
0: Okay. uh, And so who would you guys cast as uh, major roles? And you can just kind of, if you have anyone specific in mind for maybe Jesus or a disciple, you know, it can be anyone. The
1: thing with like, um, that Jordan Peele did really well with Get Out Mm -hmm. was kind of, Twist things a little bit, you know, make you think. And I think that um, if we really wanted to feel the the story and the way that the first century hearers would feel it, um, I think that we have to step away from our familiarity with the gospel. What I mean by that is, like Judas, for example, mm-hmm. we know he's the bad guy going in, so we would tend to cast like Steve Buscemi or some weird yeah that would be like, nice. oh, that's the. But no, I would actually want to cast the roles to where it would kind of shape people's categories a little bit so for like Judas I would pick uh Aziz Aziz and (laughs) Zara cause you would never expect him to be Judas he would be like the favorite person (laughs) of the group cracking jokes and so when everybody's like lord is it I is it I nobody would be like oh it's Aziz right nobody would be shocked like what it's him you know, and I, for Jesus, I would pick Dev Patel. That's the dude off of Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. Cause okay. Because he just seems like just a uh, like a regular dude. He does. There's nothing like, you know, he's not like this Christian Bale superhero looking right, person. Right. He's just a regular dude. You know.
0: Well, I, I would have picked Christian Bale for Jesus. I'm just. I'm a Christian Bale fan to be honest. Uh, I, I loved his role as the the Dark Knight and yeah. uh, you know how you brought that character to life. Just a off topic story. I did see Aziz and sorry once in New York City. Yeah. And I was like, hey Aziz, and the guy just ran away. He ran? He ran into like some under <laughs> under <laughs> underground bar. So, you know, interesting story. All topic completely. But yeah, that was my brief interaction with Aziz. I'm sorry. But Will, do you have any characters or, or actors? Characters? No, I, ju-
2: I have a question, though. Sure. You, you're going to choose white Christian Bale to play Middle Eastern Jesus?
0: That's what yeah, like that's true, Jeff man. Tells. You know what? You know what? At At that's Jeff true. At least Indian. Yeah, that's you know what true. You I mean? so Wow, man. Wow. You see that? Hey, I'm not trying to call you out on the podcast, yeah. yeah sorry I about did, that. He did call me out a little bit there, but you know, it's... it's it's all good. You know what? I'll switch it to Denzel, man. He's a bad dude.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Denzel. Hey, I would try to choose, you know, like um, you hear these stories in movies like with Blindside, they just found this random dude to yeah. play the main character, right? Like an unknown. I think if you could do that um, with like an unknown Middle Eastern actor that isn't familiar, I think that would be that would be uh, accurate. So the unknown actor is yeah. who I'm choosing to cast. I like that. That
0: would be good. I like that. And well, I'll definitely get you back for uh, calling me out there. Yeah, I know over. you will. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're moving on, just moving on along here. So, you know, we're approaching the Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And, uh, you know, I really want to get into just how, like, we approach these, uh, you know, these books of the Bible. Because I think um, we have the uh, uh, propensity to maybe read them kind of like a, bio- a biography. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to get into, like... Why are why are there four gospels? Um, how and how do we answer skeptics uh, who say we should not trust them as like historical accounts because accounts because they they may contradict um, the, each other in certain parts. They see.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a great question. Um, I think here's the thing: is that when you ask people the biggest issue they have or the biggest difficulty they have reading the Bible, one of the most common answers I feel is that it's written in a different time and culture. Mm-hmm. But what people usually don't say is that it's difficult for me to read because I bring my own culture to it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's the gospels is a great example of that because in our culture the way we do history is like this neutral, objective, chronological order.
0: Scientific, it's, technical yeah. Yeah. linear. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: But that's not how ancient history was written.
0: Gotcha. You yeah. know?
1: And also too, like, by by nature, history is going to be selective. If I ask you guys, hey, what happened at At church on Sunday You know Not only would you get Different takes But there's no way That you could actually Give me a full Exhaustive summary Of what took place Because you would have To tell me what Everybody was wearing Right You'd have to tell me Exactly what Ricardo said And everything
0: Songs etc Yeah exactly And
1: then depending On who the audience is You know If Ricardo asked Will How did service go as opposed to me asking my girlfriend, hey, how did service go? Mm. It's going to be wildly different Def- answers true. because you're yeah. going to be looking at different things. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Will might say, well, Ricardo, your sermon went on a little bit too long and people were like, it messed up the parking situation. Wow. Wow. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> he might say that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> he might say that. Okay. You know, okay. whereas like, I could talk to my girlfriend and she'd be like, man, Ricardo's sermon was fire because he hit this, this, and And I've been dealing with this in my life. So, you know, so history by itself, you're always going to have to select Mm -hmm. certain material. And the gospel writers are selecting certain historical events and they're, they're <clears> arranging it in such a way to address a particular audience that has different challenges, like Matthew's written to a Jewish, Jewish audience that right. has Jewish challenges. Luke is written to a more Gentile audience. You right. know? John especially is written to a Greek audience. So um, each gospel author has their own audience, mm-hmm. and so they're going to selectively arrange the material in such a way to address those things. You know, So, for example, some people say, like, well, one passage, there's one dude, and then another passage, there's two people there. Ah, there's a contradiction. Is it one dude or is it two dudes? You know, and it's like, well, you know, again, let's say you're at church, and the whole highlight of your church, the experience on Sunday was you met someone, and you talked to that one person, and you really hit it off. But he happened to have his wife with him. And so you retell that story. You could say, well, me and this dude, were talking, and, man, we hit it off for hours. Whereas, like, my girlfriend might say, oh, yeah, we, we talked to a couple and then somebody hearing that later like was it contradictory we talking to one person or a couple well i'm telling this story because the main highlight was our conversation right as opposed so you know there's there's it it doesn't mean when you see these so-called discrepancies it doesn't mean that it's not historical right it just means that it's written in a different way than we write history today
0: yeah i i think you really hit, hit on some major points their context is important you know especially as us reading this you know these books were written thousands of years ago right so you know to understand like what was what was the author trying to do there right and you know whether it's like like a situation you run into maybe it says one person or two people it just still doesn't take away from the truth of like what's that said, yeah or the, that it happened like what the purpose ultimate purpose was for that interaction so um, this we have to just be careful not to get caught up in the weeds too much I think is right. what it is so uh, well um, I kind of want to I want to get into like how we read these by bi- uh, read these books and uh, you know kind of avoiding Approaching them as biography, so you know we have a book like Matthew. Um, is it a biography of Jesus, and if not, like how should we approach it?
2: Right. So, I think if we approach it like a biography, we're we're disappointed really quickly because it's a horrible biography. Right. Right. If I'm going to write a story about somebody's life, I wouldn't like write a couple chapters about their birth and then skip forward until they're 30 years old. Right. 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 So, I think just initially, like an initial look at the book shows that it's a horrible biography. So, um, what we would say is that, uh, like AC said, it's it's written for a purpose, to yeah. elicit a response yeah. from the reader. And so, we can see that Luke is addressing the Gospel of Luke to Theophilus to solidify his faith, right? At the end of John, it says that, you know, we may believe, he wrote these things so that we may believe, right? We may have belief in Jesus. Right. And so, there's a there's a very intended purpose for the writing of these books. Um, for me, I remember, you know, before I was a Christian, I'd received a Bible for Christmas, and I remember my uncle told me, um, you know, start start with the book of Matthew. And I remember thinking, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you don't start a book in the middle,
0: right? right. Oh, and so yeah. I tried to
2: start in Genesis, and I persevered through, uh, I think it was like, Deuteronomy <laughs> or Joshua, and, and just hated it. Yeah. Um, but realizing that you know it is an important part of the story and if we miss what's surrounding you know before the gospels and after the gospels you know we can we can get lost in the story so so understanding where the gospels fall in the story what they're doing in the midst of the biblical narrative um, you know, is really helpful in how we approach it. So understanding this long plan of redemption that God is unfolding throughout the Old Testament and that the culmination of this is this coming Messiah in Christ who is going to usher in the kingdom and, and fulfill these prophecies and, and all these things that that we'll get into.
0: Yep. And uh, I think, well, you really hit on something there, like one word that we've used, um, you know, in our the missional training center, we've learned is charismatic, right? Like the the, the book's... Uh, invite us it invokes a response it should invoke a response from us right there's a there's a message behind us it's not just we're reading a history book it's calling us to respond you know in light of what's going on so absolutely um, and i also think you really kind of uh, uh touched on the dangers of you know reading you know the new testament disconnected from the old testament you know and and just kind of starting in the middle of the story and you know, trying to make sense of it. You really mm-hmm. have to kind of go to the beginning. I think that's that's really what we've been trying to just encourage people as we've been going through. That's why we've been going through this, this True Story project, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, AC, how does Matthew present Jesus as the continuation and uh, the fulfillment of the Old Testament story? So how does it all tie together?
1: Yeah, so Matthew's writing to this community of Jewish believers and they're wrestling with this, man, because their faith and their identity and their culture has been the same for, like, a thousand years. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden... And also, too, they've gotten in a lot of trouble for idolatry, right? So they know that. So it's ingrained deeply within them that God is one. There's only one God, and he's not... You can't make images or statues or anything like that. And then here comes along this dude, a regular guy, saying that he's God in the flesh. Right. Um, and that... Um, redemptive history is moving in a direction that they did not anticipate so a lot of the Jewish community is going to be thinking like well what does this mean for our Jewish identity mm-hmm. how is he our Messiah and so on and so forth and so I think some of the ways that Matthew presents Jesus as a continuation of the fulfillment of the Old Testament story is that number one he begins with the genealogy you know and he begins with uh, with Abraham right you know and so when you again when you look at Genesis Abraham signifies the start of God being on mission to reconcile all things to himself. And not only doing that, but partnering with a chosen people. You know, so all the Jewish people trace their lineage back to Abraham. Because that's like, that's when the mission kicks off. Right. That's when they become distinct from every other nation and people group on the earth. Um, and so what, what Matthew does is he connects Jesus all the way to Abraham saying, number one, like... This is still part of the same story, part of the same agenda that God has, but just going in a different direction. You have the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks a lot about the law, and he says, I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. Right. And then he even intensifies, internalizes, and really raises the bar on what the law meant. So, you know, Matthew is showing that Jesus is not this dude who came along and said, you ain't got to worry about the law anymore, but actually Matthew is saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of that law. You know, and he raises the bar ethically for his followers. Um, and and the, the big thing too, and all the gospel writers do this is that we talked about this before in a previous podcast that Daniel chapter seven really really laid the the foundation for the messianic expectations that right. people had. They were waiting for someone like the Son of Man to. Uh, remove all these oppressive human governments and inaugurate this kingdom that would fill up the entire earth. And so what Matthew and all the Gospel writers are trying to do is show that Jesus is that Son of Man. In fact, that's one of Jesus' favorite titles is Son of Man. Son of of Man, man, right. You know, Mm -hmm. and so he takes that title on himself to show that he is the fulfillment, that God created everything good, the fall impacted all of creation, God began a mission to renew all of creation using Israel as his partner, Israel failed completely in that, but Jesus fulfills Israel's part perfectly.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you kind of just made me think about something, and I know we kind of talked about this when we were doing the Chronicles podcast, it just reminds me how every... Word in the Bible, it, it's it's telling us something, right? So when we see a genealogy in the beginning of the book, a lot of times we're like, oh, okay, like what's that? But it's showing you how it all, it's all connected, right? Mm-hmm. That you know this goes back to Abraham, right? And uh, you know when you, when you when we talk when we think about um, you know maybe or or sometimes we try to think back like how did how didn't the people then. See that this was, you know, the king that was being spoken about, and then we also have to remember the historical context. So, like there were messiahs that came before <laughs> Jesus, right? False <clears throat> messiahs who, uh, you know, who, cl- who claimed people who claimed to be the Messiah, and uh, you know they were they they started revolts or rebellions, and they were pretty pretty much quelled pretty quickly right or you know relatively quickly and so you have Jesus coming again and almost I guess sometimes maybe some of the people are like oh here come you know here's another one like you know what I mean so AC like how can you or can you tell us like what are what were some of the expectations uh, you know of the coming kingdom and how did Jesus challenge those expectations in the book
1: yeah so they are expecting number one for it to come all at once you know for the kingdom to come in its entirety and the whole world to be changed jesus comes along and says the kingdom of god is at hand or in matthew he says the kingdom of heaven right um is at hand same thing just that jewish people are kind of uh, about saying the word god so jesus said kingdom of heaven right um and what jesus shows in matthew 13 he begins to give all these parables about the kingdom that really challenge this notion that it's going to come all at once and that rather like we talked about before in the podcast There's an already but not yet element to the kingdom that in his life and person and death and resurrection, the kingdom broke into human history, you know, the new creation. Um, And that's why Jesus is called the first fruits of the dead, because his resurrection is like really the inauguration of the new creation coming into the world. And so we have glimpses of it. We have tastes of it. You know, through the Holy Spirit, we can experience God's presence in a way that we will completely. But it hasn't arrived all at once. That there is this, there's this gap between the old age and the new age. And this is this in between this already not yet aspect um, to the kingdom. Um, also, they were expecting the kingdom to come through brute force, right, which is easy right. to get that. Yeah, you, you read, understand. When yeah. you read Daniel, man, right. he talks about this stone just, like, coming down, setting and right. like, knocking, knocking everything out crushing. of the way. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, yeah. And enduring forever, and you're like, so you think, oh, man, this dude's going to come and he's going to light everybody up. Right, Like, right. Alexander the Great has nothing on this yeah. <laughs> society. Yeah. You know? And yeah. yet Jesus comes with suffering love. Right. And every single time we read the gospels that the people are about to like anoint him as king or they're they're getting into a frenzy, he like shuts it down real quick and goes away. Right. And he's right. Like, no, that's not how I came. I'm coming through through dying on the cross. Right, instead right. Instead of as a, a yep. political ruler.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, you know, within the book of uh Matthew we have some imag- imagery of heaven and uh you know, heaven and hell. So I will like what popular misconceptions about heaven or hell. Um, or or they just the kingdom in general that me, we may have today that like the book of Matthew challenges?
2: Yeah, I think... Um definitely challenges the the popular ideas of heaven where we float away to this disembodied place when we die yes. and we look like li- little angel babies with harps right, right. um we're just floating
0: <clears throat> floating up there yeah. yes yes disembodied right <laughs> angel like babies with harps. you know um
2: <laughs> we had a uh dr vincent Bako describes it like um Jesus doesn't imagine these things or or foretell these things is like the end of Star Wars where the Death Star blows up. Like that's not how the earth ends, right? Everything is renewed, it's not destroyed. And so I I think that's one of those things in that you know this idea of heaven is distant and afterlife rather than the idea of this this kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God as AC described is something that we are to embody Mm. on earth Earth, now right that we are to be that that community of believers who are a foretaste or a glimpse or a preview or you know a Costco sample or any of the images that we <laughs> use to describe right what it will look like and and Jesus leads us in that right and so we see this in the miracles when <clears throat> you know Jesus is is inaugurating this kingdom and in the coming kingdom there's no sickness so he heals those who are sick right there's no demonic possession so he casts out demons Right. There's like no, um, you know, hunger. Right. And so right. Jesus feeds people. Right. He, he starts he's embodying this coming kingdom. And I think, you know, that we see that as as uh, an encouragement and, and you know, um, it's contrary to, to like popular ideas of what heaven is, where it's like we got to wait for it. Like, no, right. this is this is something we embody now. Yeah. I, right. This is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, you know, I'm thinking of, like it's otherwise so Jesus would have yeah. went around just forgiving people's sins. Yeah. It was just a spiritual thing where you disembodied and go out Right. There. But no, he's healing people physically. Physically. And even right. on the Beatitudes, he says the meek will inherit not another world. Right. But the earth. The earth. The earth. Yeah. Like that's the end goal of history is that in the kingdom will be here on earth. Matthew 25, when he sh- separates the sheep and the goats. Yeah. You look at the language he says. He says to so the people who've done well, come in. Hmm. Right. And he's saying this on earth. When the Son of Man comes to earth, he says, come in. Hmm. And he sends away the people who are going on the outside right. he doesn't say okay those who have done well let's dip out of here now and yeah it's this
0: time coal. to go yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hop in the spaceship <laughs> let's go like, yeah. Up. yeah I think it's so huge and you know I think just uh, um, personally understanding this has been so huge because like it calls you into action rather than you know, uh, a stagnation, right? Which your what we call like your safe stick. Like, I'm saved. Well, you know, I'm just going to exist until we die and float away. Like, no, there's a call to action now. We're called to be foretaste now, right? So um, it's I think that's just really key, you know, to you know understanding, um, you know, our roles and vocation and life here on earth. So um, yeah, just continuing on. I want to take a look at Matthew 28 um i'm not going to read through the whole passage you know we we we, what we see going on here we see the resurrection um uh mary magdalene has gone you know goes to the tomb she looks to prepare or you know look for the body of of christ and he's not there you know she's told that he's risen right and um we see uh 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 you know the, the the guards or you know the the elders and chief priests trying to concoct a a story that you know his body's been stolen because, you know, they know that this will definitely disrupt, you know, cause some disruption um, in their society. And also towards the end, I'll read the Great Commission because I, I think this has really been, you know, part of our Christian culture has been, a, um, you know, a means to send out missionaries and, you know, to send out uh, people across the world or, um, you know, wherever they may be sent. Um, Now it says, uh, I'm going to read from verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, to the end. So that is what is commonly referred to or uh, as as the Great Commission, right? And so, um, you know, we see this passage, and I think we have the tendency to 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 read maybe a couple of words here and there and create our own, uh, you know, theology, I guess, of what it means to to be sent, right? We may stop some some of us just stop at the go part, right? You know, just go go. So, um, I wanna get a I wanna help, you know, people to get a better understanding of this. So like there's been a lot of debate on, you know, what do we call this this chapter. Some people some people call it the Great Commission. I'll just call it the disciples' mandate. AC, can you tell us like what is Jesus commanding us in this chapter?
1: So, um, you know, he's using the imagery from Daniel seven. All hmm. authority has been given to me. Right. That's exactly what it says in Daniel seven. And so you gotta think the disciples are like all right, bet, so you had to die and do the resurrection thing, but now we can crush the Romans. Right. All authority has been given. So what are we going to do with this authority? But he doesn't turn around and say, so pick up swords. and Right, know, right, go know, to, get ready for battle. Yeah, <laughs> he says, uh, you know, go and make disciples. And in the verb tense, um, the, the imperative there or the command is to make disciples. All the other verbs are kind of, I forget what the word's called, indicative or I'm not sure what it's called. Yeah. But, um, the, the main command there is to make disciples. And so it, it could read, as you are going into the world, make disciples, teaching, baptizing. Um, and what you see in all of Matthew is Matthew really takes this really common relationship that they would have known then, which is this disciple-rabbi relationship. Right. and he And Jesus reshapes it. So, like, in Judaism... Rabbis didn't go around asking for disciples. They would go and apply, like we apply to go to a school or right. something. They would apply to go and sit under this rabbi mm-hmm. for a while, and it would be centered around the law. So the rabbi and the disciples would sit around and talk about, you know, what the law means and how it applies to life. Um, and then there would be this transitional period where some disciples would go on to become rabbis, um, and. They're, um, they're looking for the end. So as they're reading the, the, the law, the Torah, they're, they're anticipating the end, they're anticipating the kingdom and so on and so forth. That whole paradigm, Jesus completely switches. Right. So now, instead of being centered on the Torah, on the law, it's centered on Jesus they're calling him Lord. They're not calling him rabbi.
0: Right. Except for one Except dude. one, yeah. One dude called yeah. rabbi. Yeah. Yes, that's Judas. 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 Right. He doesn't
1: get it. Right. But everyone else calls him Lord because it's like we're not sitting around talking about the law. We're talking about Jesus. Right. It revolves around him. And also um, they're part of the end. Instead of looking forward to the end, now they're part of the end where the kingdom is coming into the world. Um, and also that they're they're not really students there to learn; they're servants. Hmm. You know, they see Jesus, as Lord, and and their whole mentality as a disciple is to is to serve, as opposed to the disciple and the other paradigm is they're there to learn. Right. They're there to right. learn. Um, and then also too, like the the disciples could like they could graduate to become rabbis, but in this sense, you never. You never, you never graduate from being a disciple. Right, right. You know, even if you're a pastor or a deacon, an elder, whatever. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, you never get to this point where you're no longer a disciple. But you've arrived. You've yeah. arrived, yeah, yeah. You graduated, yeah. Yeah. and now That's you're good. accumulating yeah. your own disciples. So right. You're always a disciple. Right. You're always a servant. You're always learning. You're always centered around around Christ. And so I think what Matthew 28 is doing, Jesus is trying to say, now go and form communities of making disciples.
0: Yeah, that's that's excellent. And uh, I think it's just it'll help us, I think, uh, approach, you know, mission or how we live missionally a lot better. You know, understanding what this, uh, you know, what the scripture is calling us, how, how it, what are the implications of the mm-hmm. scripture? So um, one thing, another area that Matthew kind of or touches on that um, I guess a lot of people would say that, you know, this is a, a, a topic that's mostly found in James. But, you know, Matthew kind of talks about obedience, right? And how it defines our community of faith. So, Will, can you kind of talk on, um, you know, what does Matthew have to say about obedience and what are the implications for us today?
2: Yeah, I'd rather not because it's really scary and convicting. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I've realized that, I've realized that I have learned my faith to a large extent growing up through the eyes of Paul Yes, and historically through the Reformation and a reaction against good works. And so now we absolutely believe and affirm, you know, we are saved by grace Grace. alone, Mm -hmm. through faith alone, in Christ alone, right? We affirm these things and we believe them deeply to our core. But we also understand that as with anything, when it's taken too far, there can be areas that are problematic, okay? Now I'm not saying heresy, but what I'm saying is for a lot of people, there can be this idea that like, well, I'm saved by grace alone. All of my works are filthy rags before the Lord. So basically what that means is I believe in Jesus, I get out of hell free and I can do whatever I want. Right. Right, right, right. And so when we approach this gospel, Jesus doesn't say any of that, right? No. Jesus says these really, really scary things like, if you did good things to poor and vulnerable people around you, you did those for me and you're welcomed into heaven. And if you didn't, you can go to hell, <laughs> right? And so and so we're left yeah. struggling with yeah. this because there is the reality not, of of yeah. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Right. And I think one of the things that helps is, um, uh, there's an author who describes it as like we are saved by grace for good works mm-hmm. right so we're not saved by these good works but right. we see Jesus continually throughout not only Matthew but the gospel saying like hey what you see me do you go and do right right, right. in 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 serving the most vulnerable and coming on alongside the disenfranchised and working towards not only you know spiritual gain and spiritual growth but also you know economic flourishing um you know, physical restoration, you know, all of these, the holistic aspect um, of this. You see Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, like AC described beautifully, like raising the bar. So it's not just, hey, great, you didn't cheat on your wife today. Right. But did you commit lust? Yes. Right? Yes. Hey, good job. You didn't murder someone. Right? Like, how low yeah. is that bar? Yeah. I made it through today and I didn't murder someone. <laughs> right? Like, I, I can do that, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But Jesus yeah. says, Well, did you call anyone a fool? Did you have any right. anger or hatred yes. you know towards yeah. them in your yeah. heart? And so it's not that he's erasing this law, he's embodying the law right. and he's raising the standard for us because he's getting at the reality of there is a relationship between God and man right and God is after that relationship he wants to be Lord of that relationship and I know that you know we like to push against the individualism but the reality is the community is made up of individuals right. who need to choose to bow in obedience to the lordship of Christ and, and and Jesus calls us to that and he embodies it throughout this gospel in these very you know scary ways as we realize that we have sin and that we right. do fall short which you know hopefully we follow the example of so many people who are caught in sin throughout the gospels and throw themselves at the feet of jesus yeah and worship him
0: yes yes and uh like you said like jesus didn't like grace isn't just now uh you know get out of jail oh well i see grace is not an excuse for us to just kick our feet up and you know and, and not do anything right or right. sin yeah. you know yeah.
2: endlessly um or, or and i want to add yeah, this real yeah, quick sure. or it's not it's also not just um saved now I get to chill.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. I'm yeah.
2: saved in the world is evil right. so I create my holy huddle of be- people who are like-minded and you know would never say potty words like I wouldn't right. or whatever, right? But no, there's this call like in Matthew 28 of right. going out and embodying going. this. Exactly.
1: I, I think a good example of that is in the movie The Matrix. Mm. Ooh. So here's Neo, right? He's saved in a sense he was enslaved to a, to a, to a foreign entity to the technology, mm-hmm. robots and stuff the moment that his eyes are opened and he begins to realize that there's a true story of the world he had no idea and he realizes his place in that story it immediately goes into mission it's not this point where it's like cool, now I know that the world really sucks and like there's robots that suck <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> life out of us. Cool. Yeah. I think I'll go to Starbucks. Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm know? good, I know,
2: yeah, like, good luck know. guys. Yeah, like, let, yeah me, no. let me
1: go to my corner of yeah. the universe where the robots aren't that bad and just kind of make a good life for myself. Right. Now that I know the truth and I've been converted and everything, no, he's like, now it, it necessitates right. that I be involved mm-hmm. in this mission to restore humanity. And it's the same way with us when we become Christians. It's not this sense where it's like, cool, now I don't have to worry about hell. Now I can do what I want and just kind of like go to church and make sure I'm checking off little boxes here and there. But now, now that I've been converted and I see the true story of the world and find my place in it, now it thrusts me into this mission. Right. But the difference between the matrix and the Bible is that in the matrix, there's no God telling you, I'm in charge of this mission, do it this way. But with us, like, it's God's mission. Right. And so if we're going to follow him and be his believers, we have to be obedient. Right. Like, well, you can't just right. do your own yeah, thing. Yeah, you can't
0: just do your own thing. You yeah.
1: have to be obedient. like, And that has to define your life. Right. You know, um, it, it's one thing if, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I know I'm obedient. And so you pick and choose areas of your life right, where right. you're obedient as opposed to saying, no, my work is worship and obedience. My family is worshiping mm, right. obedience. Wow. Every part of my life, even sports and art, it's is worshiping. worshiping obedience. And does obedience define every aspect of my life or is it something else?
0: Right. Yeah, I think it's so important. Uh, will you have something add?
2: Yeah, so I yeah. think if that's okay. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead. So I think that this is like, this is clear right in the Gospels and we talk about like I said like you know I learned faith through through the lens of Paul but Paul affirms this as well yes right in the verse that people will go to Ephesians 2 8 and 9 right for by grace you have been saved through faith this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast right clear right there not a result of works verse 10 for we are his workmanship the mm. original greek word here is poema the same word where we would get poetry from mm. created in jesus in christ jesus for good works so often we remember yeah. 8 and 9 but right. we forget we divorce it from 10 right created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them mm and so i think this is the model that we see in the matrix yeah. this is also the model that we see in the gospels of these people who have this encounter with jesus mm. right and they can't help exactly like ac said they can't help but, but say yeah you know yeah. we uh we just had ricardo spoke about uh, saul's conversion mm-hmm. on easter right when people have an authentic experience with this resurrected christ their life can't help but change. yeah, And it impacts everything, right? They're telling people, they're living different, you know, every area, just like you said. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's so true. And I think sometimes we have uh, the tendency sometimes, you know, to kind of shun obedience, right? Like, you know, Grace, you know, Grace, but I think you guys have really touched on how important it is, you know, to live our faith and how important obedience is in living out our faith. So um, you also kind of just, Wrapping it up here and, um, you know, just kind of getting some implications for us today. Um, you know, as a community of faith and redemption, um, you know, either you guys, either one of you guys can take on this question. Like, how do you feel the Spirit is calling us to respond, you know, in the face of
1: Well, well just Matthew. looking at how yeah. Matthew ends, right. Matthew 28 ends with Jesus saying, make disciples. Mm-hmm. But that's just a throwaway at the end of the book. If you read the whole book through the lens of how it ends, you see that Jesus is very carefully teaching them how to be a community mm. of disciple-makers. And then Matthew 28 then is not a throwaway line at the end. It's actually the capstone of what the author's been doing throughout the whole book. If that's the case, is Redemption Tempe a community of disciple-makers? Mm. You know, and so questions I would ask, because you start thinking, think, well, I don't know, are we? I mean, we, we listen to the Bible. I'm, I'm right. listening to this podcast right, right. <laughs> you know? um, I I would ask questions like, are you going to an RC? Mm. Are you committed? And if so, what does your RC look like? Right. And who do the people around your dinner table look like? Because if they only look like you right. and your demographic, then maybe there's not discipleship taking place. Right. Because when you look at Titus, Titus talks about older men discipling younger men. Younger younger women. Men, older younger women. women yes. Yeah. Younger yep. Women. Yep. And so, you know, I would love to see this multi-generational discipleship taking place in Redemption Tempe. We're a young church, right? You know, there's like maybe four or five people in their seventies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but what would it look like as a younger church to actively seek out people older in the faith wow. and make them part of our lives? Not just someone like, well, I go to their RC or right. I talk to them on church at Sundays or something. Like I see Andy Carrillo, and I'm like, oh, here's an older person. Right. Hey, how you hey, doing? Hi, cool. Yeah. I got my check mark on. You know what I mean? But no, yeah. like, what is it what does it look like? To, to have this, uh, be a, a part of a community and the people who are regularly involved in your lives, people that are older than you in the faith and have walked the walk longer than you have and learned from it. And not only that, but also actively seeking out people who've been in the faith not as long as right. you have, reaching out and discipling them and mentoring them. And so you have this, this, this like multi-tiered level of discipleship taking place within the community.
0: Yeah. Well, do you have anything
2: to add there? Yeah, I think that's really, really good. Uh, the 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 only thing I would add to that is like in the midst, uh, in the midst of disciple making, in the midst of meeting a small group. You know, we I feel like we do a lot of things, and we have people that know Scripture well, and we have people that study theology and study theology well. Um, in the midst of all of that, that we would we would continue to worship at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, you know, we yeah. see this. Um, Throughout Scripture, where there's just like people are just compelled um, because the Spirit has stirred their affections for Christ, you know, and I'm sure we can all think of those people in our lives that we know, like you're around them, and like you can almost smell Jesus, right. right? Like right. they spend so much time with Jesus that it's like it's it's seeping out of their pores in my prayer, in the midst of going, in the midst of serving and and growing in diversity and obedient, you know, and all of these things yeah. that we talked about that like that would be propelled because we love Jesus, yeah. you know? And I think um, for myself, I'll speak for myself, I can get caught up in, the, oh, this is an interesting theological fact, and yeah. oh, we gotta be these, you know, justice-minded, and right, you know, right. we gotta do, you know, and all these things, but like, you know, it's almost like, hey, hey, slow down, buddy, like, yeah. all of that is good when it is, centered, you know, yeah. centered mm-hmm. and and propelled mm-hmm. forward yep. by Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you guys really touched on some great points there, and it's just, A reminder to us all that, you know, um, we have to be intentional about, you know, making those relationships happen because, you know, our natural tendency is to gravitate towards what's comfortable. Right. That's what the culture kind of tells us. And, um, you know, at the same time, you know, we don't want to get caught up in, you know, those things so much that we forget why or what's centering us or like we'll say what's propelling us forward. So, yeah.
1: yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask a question. Warren, you always ask all the questions. Yeah, sure. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Will. If someone's reading matthew for the first time and they get to chapter 25 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do they do with that what do you do with matthew 25 because we talk about jesus being at the center but jesus says some stuff like if you treat these people this way you treated me this way what what's what's going on there
2: man we, we read it as an important part of scripture and um i think that the common approaches are either we ignore it like it's not important or it's the only part of scripture. Right. And so I think we have to we have to wrestle. Right? Jesus says whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. If you right. didn't do it, you did it for me. That if that doesn't, Lord, please let that never become comfortable for us, wow. right? Like that should constantly create tension.